The second half is started and the Rangers are so back. On today's show, I'm breaking down why this sweep of the Cleveland Guardians was exactly what the Rangers needed, and not just a sweep, but the type of sweep they had to gain confidence to win the AL West. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Monday, July 17th. Your Rangers are 55 and 39, alone atop the AL West, three and a half games ahead of the Houston Astros at time of this recording, which could end up being three or four games, depending on how this Sunday night baseball game goes. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. On today's show, we are breaking down this sweep, why it was so crucial for the Rangers to win, not just win all three games, but win them like they did. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Now, the Rangers offense really woke up in this weekend series with a couple of really clutch comeback wins against a team with the best bullpen in all of baseball in terms of ERA, in terms of, I believe, strikeout rate, in terms of the amount of inherited runners that were left stranded. This is one of the best bullpens in baseball, and Thankfully, the Rangers didn't have to face the guy who's basically the best closer in all of baseball, the former Ranger great uh, Emmanuel Classe, because I think it might have been a little bit of a different story if they did. But the rest of the relievers in this Cleveland pen are really good. Cleveland has been a team that has developed pitching very, very well. And for their their guys who didn't work out as starting pitchers because the rotation is so deep, they just throw those guys in the pen and, oh, just let them chuck absolute gas. But the Rangers had a comeback win on Friday night and on Sunday afternoon. The Rangers, before before this series, they were 1-23 when trailing after six innings. Now... They are three and 23 when trailing after six innings. Now, I mean, it's not going to be a lot of teams that have a winning record in those situations because, I mean, you know, you're not going to come back all the time. But this is a team, even though they had won a lot of games heading into this all-star break, and it was a really rough stretch at those 30 games in 31 days, you could just tell that this team was absolutely exhausted in that series against the Nationals. And, and even that series against Boston really kind of felt like, all right, this team is just absolutely gassed and, and needed some time off. And, you know, it looks like they look like a rejuvenated team. They look a lot like the team that we saw in the first half be absolutely dominant for month, month and a half, two month stretches um, that were basically unbeatable for the first two months of the season. And, you know, everything kind of felt like it was coming crashing back down to earth. The Rangers fan PTSD definitely set in in those last, you know, two to three weeks after that series with the Cardinals once they started going to Tampa Bay and started that stretch of the 30 games. It, it felt like everything was crashing back down to earth and, oh my gosh, everything's mirage, everything's terrible, everything's going to crap and no one's actually any that good. Well, I mean, the sample size was there enough that this team was actually good. They had flaws in their roster, for sure. This offense probably wasn't going to keep hitting like Babe Ruth with runners of scoring positions, but they also weren't going to do as poorly as they did for that, you know, 
two, three-week stretch. I mean, they, they were capable of turning it back on, and we kind of saw that. And I saw them win in new ways in this weekend series. I mean, blasting five runs in the bottom of the seventh inning and then four more for good measure in the bottom of the eighth inning on Friday against this Cleveland pen was absolutely huge, absolutely massive. It was just a one-run deficit heading into the bottom of that seventh inning, and the Rangers weren't content to just score a couple runs, give themselves a couple run lead. They scored five, and then even though the game was not quite out of hand, it was, I believe, a four-run lead at that point, they dropped four more runs, hit three home runs in the bottom of the eighth inning, and this is that deadly offense that we saw early on an offense that is never satisfied oh oh we're up by eight to nothing cool we're gonna pile on more and more and more runs that we that was the offense that we saw that was so dominant in that series against seattle in the first series of the year against the phillies against basically every sunday afternoon game it felt like this offense would just erupt for a billion runs for the first couple of months of the season that really wasn't the case um, on Sunday in this game but they did erupt for four runs in the eighth inning a comeback win again and just fantastic at bats or I guess plate appearances by everybody in the top of that lineup Leo Tavares was out and it started with a one-out rally with Marcus Simeon working a walk then Corey Seager working a walk then a big hit from Nathaniel Lowe then a big hit from Adoles Garcia then another big hit from Josh Young who had been out of the fun for the entirety of this game but the first pitch he saw he drove into left field smashed it through the left through the shortstop and third baseman hole and got the rangers that one run lead and it was okay well the rangers have a one run lead and and will smith just pitched yesterday pitched an inning in two thirds even though he didn't throw that many pitches it's like okay well the rangers bullpen situation has changed a little bit they do have a role as chapman there he had already pitched in two straight days so he definitely wasn't going to be available for a third straight day and so the Rangers went to Will Smith and he closed it up. We're going to talk a little bit more about that bullpen and the different roles in the second segment. But this was a huge win for the Rangers, winning in a one-run game, winning in comeback fashion, and having the offense come back. I mean, that is something that they haven't done. And, and good teams, great teams, need to learn how to win in multiple ways. And for the most part, the Rangers just clobbered teams to death in the first half. That's basically what they did. And that works. And you can do that a little bit when you have an offense that is rolling like this, that was on the kind of hot streak that this offense was on. But you're not always going to win games like that. This weekend was full of all kinds of different games, a couple of different comeback wins. One was a one-run win. One was a very low-scoring win where the Rangers didn't have any hits with runners in scoring position. On Saturday, they went 0-4. for 4. They did still score two runs, and the Rangers' pitching was was enough to make that stick. A five and a third innings of scoreless baseball from Andrew Heaney. That was probably his best start in a long, long time. He really needed a bounce-back start. Only one walk for him, four strikeouts. I did think they they were very quick to pull the trigger on taking Heaney out of the game, even though he was. it felt like he was rolling. He allowed a double and got one out in that sixth inning, and it was Grant Anderson time, and that was it. And I, I think that's probably going to be the move for the Rangers moving on. Um, and they were able to get a solid inning out of Grant Anderson. They were able to get an inning two-thirds of scoreless baseball out of Will Smith, and then a save from Aroldis Chapman, his third of the season, his first as a Ranger with a couple of Ks, and the hardest pitch that any Rangers pitcher has ever thrown in the StatCast area at, at 102 
2.5 miles per hour to finish that save off. And he's got a 2.10 ERA on the season. It seems like he and Will Smith are going to split time as the Rangers closer moving forward, which will be helpful because the Rangers lost Josh Sports. We're going to talk about the impact of that, what the Rangers are going to need to do with their pen, and a little bit more about the importance of this series heading into the next one. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Want the chance to win more money with less picks? Head to Sleeper where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. The Rangers take on the Rays tonight. They start a series, so they are going up against Shane McClanahan. If you're wanting to bet against Shane McClanahan having a good game, he has a lot of good games, and if you feel good about this Rangers offense and what they're doing right now, then you can make some bets on them crushing Shane McClanahan. If you want to win up to 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball sleepers now officially offering uh, up to a 100 times payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you could win big. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On Tuesday's show, I'll be talking about what the Rangers' trade targets should be at the deadline. The Rangers take on the Rays this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, it seems like the Rangers are going to have a closer by committee, except the committee is just two different people. It's going to be Rollis Chapman, and it's going to be Will Smith. Smith said that it doesn't bother him. He just wants to win, and I don't know that Rollis Chapman said much of anything. Uh, when it comes to this but Josh Spores has been placed on the IL he has a bicep I believe tendonitis um here we go yeah he has been on placed on the 15 day IL and that is a rough blow for the Rangers it kind of explains and makes me feel a little bit better about the rough last few outings that uh yeah right bicep tendonitis for Josh Spores it was retroactive uh to Saturday so um or yeah, it was on Saturday and it was retroactive to Wednesday. So he'll be eligible to return on July 27th. So it had been a rough last few outings for Josh Spores. He had been a huge revelation for the Rangers in the back end of their pen and, and one of the more reliable back end arms that they had. But um, with him blowing up the last couple of times, I thought, okay, well, maybe everything is coming back down to earth. Maybe the Josh Spores that we saw for, you know, two years before this, maybe that's more the version of Josh Bores as opposed to the version of Josh Bores we saw in May and June. Um, but it seems like if that is just an injury and that flaring up, then that makes me feel much, much better about the state of this bullpen moving forward. Because, I mean, you look behind, uh, you know, Will Smith and uh, you look behind Aroldis Chapman and there is not a whole lot of backing guys that I feel super duper comfortable with. I mean, Brock Burke is, is definitely one of them. We saw Cody Bradford go three innings in relief of Martin Perez on Sunday. That was huge. He was mostly very good, allowed his first runs in relief, which was a two-run bomb, unfortunately. But the Rangers offense didn't care. They still came back and, and were able to get the win in that one. But behind that, you have Grant Anderson. You have... Um, well, John King, Jose Leclerc is starting to look better. And then you have Glenn Otto, who 
has been used almost exclusively in multi-inning outings, and I, I would like to see him get a lot more, you know, one-inning outings or see if you, if that fastball can start ticking up a little bit because we've seen how good the breaking ball is. We've seen how good that plays as a reliever. He's had multiple different outings with uh, a, a bunch of strikeouts, including his last outing against the Nationals when he went two innings with four strikeouts. That was huge. That was absolutely huge, and he looked very, very good in that outing and only allowed one walk. So I, I think having him go one or two innings would be we better see if that fastball can start to play up but if the if the velocity isn't going up then i i don't know how much i love um i don't know how much i love clinado being a part of this bullpen because the rangers don't really need a bulk reliever outside of cody bradford cody bradford has filled that role very very well and i don't think that we need to see two guys in the pen that are both fulfilling the same role we, we could see we could see some of the arms from from triple a start to come up a little bit and some of the guys who are are having great seasons there see if there's anything there but there's going to be more 40-man roster you know i don't know shenanigans not shenanigans is not the right word but um you know they're going to make some moves on the 40-man roster and, and make some decisions about these relievers who are are not doing well jonathan hernandez is, is starting to look a little bit better down in AAA, and I'm starting to feel like maybe those mechanical adjustments that he was making are starting to pay off because, I mean, I don't really love seeing John King in the Rangers' bullpen, especially especially not in, in any kind of high-leverage situation. He's had a couple of outings where he's been successful, but, like, I mean, for the most part, I'm still... I'm still kind of wary of trusting Jose Leclerc. I think of the guys that are outside of the the big three that are there right now in the big lefties in Araldis Chapman and Brock Burke and Will Smith. I think Leclerc is probably the guy who I trust the next most, even a little bit more than Grant Anderson. I think Grant Anderson might be a little bit of a flash in the pan, a little bit of, I mean, there's a lot of deception there. There's just not a lot of great stuff. And, you know, if it's working, if it works, then great. But when it doesn't, we've seen there's not a whole lot of margin for error. We've seen lefties pretty much crush him. So, I mean, he's not necessarily the guy who I want in a lot of high leverage situations, and the Rangers' pen has been so depleted these days, especially without Josh Boers for the next you know couple of weeks. Then they are going to be in a rough, rough way, which is why I think they are going to make some kind of big trade for some other reliever besides just the move for Rollis Chapman um, that they already made. But I mean, this Rangers team is is very, very complete. And when you look at the offense, there's really not much room for it to improve outside of basically the DH spot. I mean, Duran has been having a rough couple, rough, rough week, I should say. It's It's been a little bit of him coming back down to earth. I don't think that this means that everything that he did in the first half is is fraudulent or he's going to you know be terrible and the Rangers should just include him in some kind of trade package now while his value is sky high. I don't think that's the case. I think he is a legitimate everyday potential big league shortstop who's a guy who could have an 850-ish OPS right now. It's it's 850 exactly on the season um, after his rough day where he was pinch hit for um, for Robbie Grossman, which is a move that I really don't get. Robbie Grossman has just been just been very blah this season and there is one thing that i do like about grossman's game and i wish that you could kind of you know uh what's what's the word um voltron players together because if you could do that with robbie grossman and ezekiel duran i think you would have maybe the best player (laughs) on the freaking planet because the thing that robbie grossman does very very well is he does not chase and he walks and that is basically the one thing that ezekiel duran does not do Robbie Grossman, his chase rate is in the 99th percentile in all of baseball. His swing and miss rate is in the top 26%, is the 74th percentile of all of baseball. Now, somehow, even though he's not swinging and missing that much, he is still in the 35th percentile of strikeout rate. 
I, I don't know how that happens. I think that just means that he's only swinging missing when there are two strikes, which is the exact time when you're trying to not swing and miss. Um, and his walk rate is in the 62nd percent of baseball. But, I mean, defensively, we thought we were getting – I mean, I thought that the Rangers were getting somebody who was competent in a corner outfield. But looking at his defensive war numbers for the last, you know, several years, it has been profoundly negative. I mean, right now on baseball reference, he is a negative .6 war player negative 0.6 that is how bad he has been most of that has been defense his d war is negative 0.8 his o war is negative 0.2 somehow that's up that adds up to negative 0.6 i'm not really sure i thought he would be like fine for the rangers but so far he has been just not very good and i don't really get why he is getting so many plate appearances especially against righties he has been much worse hitting against righties as opposed to lefties against righties he has a 609 ops this season and a 779 ops against left-handed pitchers he has three home runs in 80 plate appearances versus lefties and four home runs in 182 plate appearances against righties why he has 182 plate appearances against righties i do not understand and that is one of the few things that boji has done that has really made me scratch my head and say okay why is is grossman playing this much and it, it's not just this year i mean for his career he's got a, a 789 ops versus left-handed pitchers and a set or a 693 ops against righties so nearly 100 points better against lefties than against righties i really don't love seeing him out there. I don't love seeing him in the field. I think Ezekiel Duran, even though he is much more inexperienced in left field, I think that his ability, um, just his his raw athleticism, his his speed and his arm out there just makes him an overall much better player, even though he doesn't get great reads. I mean, neither does Robbie Grossman. Robbie Grossman's outfielder jump is, is in the 15th percent of all of baseball. As a guy who's been playing the outfield for so long, I don't understand how it's that bad and why the Rangers keep feeling the need to put him out there um, in left field. But I don't know. It's fine. They've got two guys on their team who are DH slash basically just DH only guys in Brad Miller and Robbie Grossman as guys. If, if you're a DH only, you should probably hit very well. And neither of those guys have. But I don't know. Maybe the Ranger, the rest of the Rangers offense, that's why they're doing so well. They're just like, I don't know, zapping the the power. They're are doing the, the all, Monstar kind of thing that they do in, in Space Jam of just like taking all of the power from Brad Miller and Robbie Grossman and re- redistributing it to everybody else on the team. If that's what's happening, then uh, keep those guys on the roster and, and keep doing that because if, if they're going to start to, if everybody else is going to start to regress um, by not being able to take powers from Robbie Grossman and Brad Miller, um, then um, I don't know. Whatever you're doing, it's working, even though it's frustrating to see Robbie Grossman get this many plate appearances and not see as many from Mitch Garver. Coming up, we're going to look at a Rangers trade that was already made and it's been a little frustrating and a little bit of a look ahead at this series against the Tampa Bay Rays. But first, this word from our sponsors. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked on Rangers your first listen every single day on Wednesday's show. I'll talk about why the AOS is so very winnable for the Texas Rangers specifically. The Rangers take on the Rays this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers are winning in all kinds of different ways, and it has been very, very nice to see, especially the offensive explosion that it felt like it had been forever since the Rangers had scored double-digit runs in a game that in that Friday game, and doing it against such an elite bullpen, against bullpen arms. They did it against basically everybody in that game. Aaron Zavalli had a really, really good game, limiting the Rangers to just two runs in his five innings of work, but the Rangers did it against Morgan, against Sandlin, against Henches. They really let loose on him, and um, De Los Santos as well, as well 
oh, as Morris, literally everybody got scored on in in the pen except for Sandlin. He was the only one who kept the Rangers off the board in that Friday night explosion by Texas's offense. The Rangers also got some pretty solid start a pretty solid start from John Gray. He did get tagged for a pair of two-run homers by the Naylor brothers in the same inning, but that was basically all he gave up, and I was really, really impressed by John Gray just buckling down and getting the Rangers those six innings of work, so they only needed three innings from the pen, and three pretty high-leverage innings from the pen. Outside of that, that last one wasn't really as high-leverage from Jose Leclerc, but they only had to use Burke and Chapman in that game, and both of those guys were absolutely nails when they came in and kept the Rangers in it, and the offense going 8-for-18 with runners in scoring position on Friday was absolutely, absolutely massive, but I I was just really proud of John Gray, who's been kind of rough the last few stars, basically since that complete game, one run, one nothing loss against the Cardinals, which is when it felt like everything um, started falling off the rails, was was right after that. Um, John Gray just had a, a rough time stringing together multiple good starts, and it was good to see him just get back on the hill and feel a lot better about himself. Speaking of guys who had some great starts, Cole Reagans finally made his debut with the Kansas City Royals, and he looked absolutely fantastic against this Rays team. And it was a little frustrating just seeing the kind of gas that he was spitting. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. It was 99.5 miles an hour is what he topped out at, which was just nuts because we had never seen him top out at that. Um, with the Rangers, we, we'd seen him, you know, dial it up just a little bit, just, just a little bit, but still having him go out and have five innings of one run ball, just two walks, four hits, one and run against the Tampa Bay Rays, only had three strikeouts, and one of them was the first batter that he faced, but still, um, good for good for Kansas City, and uh, good for Cole Reagans. I'm happy for that kid. He is a great kid, and I, I think he's going to be he's going to be a guy who the Rangers look back on, and if he's having a, a great career, like I, I think he probably will. I mean, he's a guy who had two Tommy John surgeries, one like literally right off the back of the last one. I mean, the fact that he's even pitching and in the major leagues is huge for him, and I'm really happy for him. I'm bummed that that was what the price was to get Aroldis Chapman who is a, a very good pitcher and, and helps out the Rangers, but I was still a little surprised that it was basically just Cole Reagans and a a, a basically lotto-ticket teenager in the Dominican Summer League. Um, but that trade has the potential to look very, very painful for the Rangers in years in the future. I, I do, don't think that there was really anywhere that Cole Reagans was going to help this team more than being traded, but good for him, and congratulations to him on his success. Hopefully he can still be good, but not when he is facing off against the Rangers, just when he is facing off against teams like the Rays, who the Rangers will be taking on this week. It is going to be another huge series. The Rays have been much more beatable as of late. They haven't been as insane, and they've definitely been more beatable um, on the road as well. So this is a team where the Rangers, I think, have the starting pitching and two out of three games, I'd say the Rangers have the edge in starting pitching. On Wednesday, it is going to be John Gray versus TBD. On the Tuesday game, it's Nate Evaldi versus Taj Bradley. Uh, and on Monday's game, of course, today is Dane Dunning versus Shane McClanahan. Also kind of wild that it's not not just the biggest ever advantage uh, in up to Shane McClanahan versus Dane Dunning. McClanahan is coming off. This is going to be his first start after he missed a couple, I believe a couple weeks with injury. He did not pitch in the all-star game. He might be the best pitcher. He might be the AL Cy Young winner this year. I really think he just might be because he has been so freaking good. And the Rangers saw him earlier this season and they were able to get to him for three runs at home, which was something that not a lot of teams had been able to do, but it has been, 
Um, it has been tough sledding for anybody trying to go up against Shane McClanahan. I think it's going to be very, very tough for the Rangers, but I, I have full confidence in them. I mean, coming off this sweep, I mean, this is exactly what this team needed. It, it was just such a rough watch this the last two, three weeks, seeing those 30 games in 31 days uh, again and again and again. And I, I think that just having that time off, even though a lot of the guys didn't get time off, the six All-Stars, they had a pretty busy weekend, but it seems like those guys are back to being themselves. And I think one guy who really, really needed the time off who did not go to All-Star weekend was Nathaniel Lowe. And Lowe has looked fantastic for the last seven games, and he's been looking a whole lot more like the silver slugger Nathaniel Lowe that we saw last season. And in the last seven games, he's got a home run. He's got three walks and six strikeouts, hitting 353 and on base of 419 and slugging 571. That is the kind of Nathaniel Lowe that the Texas Rangers need. They need Lowe to be the best version of himself. He has already stepped up quite a bit defensively. That's great. And that is honestly huge for the Rangers. And they just need him to step up a little bit more offensively. He's got his OPS over 800. So now basically every everyday regular in the Rangers lineup has an OPS over 800 outside of just Marcus Simeon, who is all the way up to 773 after his 12th home run of the season and having a multi-hit day. Um, actually, no, I don't think he did have a multi-hit day. That, that is, um, I'm confusing that with a different time. Um, but he was able to reach base multiple times, multiple walks, um, I should say, not multiple hits, a solo shot to start off the game in the bottom of the first inning, and then a big walk that started that rally in the eighth inning. Marcus Simeon is really the the engine that makes this team go. It, it feels super cliche to say, because it, it is super cliche to say, but I mean, when Marcus Simeon gets on base, good things happen for the Texas Rangers. When Marcus Simeon is at his peak, I mean, when he was... When he was thriving in April and May, that's when the Rangers were winning most of their games. When he started to slump a little bit in June, that's when this team also started to slump. So I think there's a really, really big correlation in how Marcus Simeon goes, this team goes. Um, but especially Nathaniel Lowe. Last year, the first half was pretty over underwhelming. He had, did have 12 home runs in the first half of the season before the All-Star great break last year, but he only had a 752 OPS this year. It was a little bit higher in the first half. But in the second half last year, that's when he really just took off and went nuts. That's Nathaniel Lowe. He had a 964 OPS in that second half, hit 339 with an on-base just one point below 400, and slugged 566. 15 home runs, 13 doubles, two triples in just 301 plate appearances. If the Rangers can get a second half from Nathaniel Lowe like that, whew, this team is in business. This team is going to be even more dangerous than they already have been. I mean, Corey Seager feels like he has been an unstoppable robot baseball mashing machine, and it feels like that's just going to continue. Hopefully he can stay healthy, not have any more hamstring injuries, and just stay on the field and keep mashing. But if you, at any point get all three of the top three in that order all going at the same time in Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and Nathaniel Lowe. I mean, good Lord, that is going to be incredibly dangerous and incredibly difficult to pitch against, especially when, oh, you get through those those three guys and then here's Adolis Garcia, who's one of the best power hitters in baseball. And oh, here's Josh Young, who's one of the best rookies, if not the deep, is the best rookie in the American League. Um, so far. And then, oh, you get through him. Here's your all-star starting catcher in Jonah Heim. Oh, you get through them. Oh, well, there's Ezekiel Duran, who's got an 850 OPS as a Swiss Army knife. Oh, you get through him. Then here's Travis Jankowski, who's got an on-base of 
nearly 400 or I think at 400. Oh, you get through him. Oh, here, here's, here's Leo Tavares who should have probably been an all-star this year and is hitting just under 300 and has got 10 home runs as a gold glove defender in center field. So, I mean, this team is in a really, really good way. It was, it was very understandable for everyone to feel like the sky is falling. Um, I kind of felt like that myself after heading into the all-star break, especially with just how rough that series against the nationals was and all of those winnable games that the Rangers lost against the nationals, against Boston, especially against Houston. That series was just really painful. And you thought, okay, that was your chance to you know, get a, a Houston Astros team that was not really doing all that well in a bunch of games that were very close. The Rangers could have won, especially if they could have salvaged that insane Monday game where they were down by eight runs and battled all the way back to get the lead. And, and if they didn't lose that one run game, then that would have been, I think, much, much bigger and for the Rangers confidence. But I mean, they're still in a very, very good position heading into the Sunday game. They had a 94.1% chance to make the postseason according to baseball reference they had a 13.5 percent chance to win the world series i still think this team is in such a good position and is so well set up and you can't forget bruce bochy's influence bruce bochy's importance how much how many times bruce bochy has been in situations like this how I, i feel much more confident with him at the helm than i have with literally any other rangers manager ever he is a future hall of famer for a reason there is a reason he has three rings and has been to the world series four times he is a proven winner he knows what buttons to push and he is not going to freak out nearly as much as the rest of us are when this team goes through any kind of slump because he knows this team has what it takes to make it to the postseason and hopefully win the world series that's going to do it for today's show thank y'all so much for listening and subscribing and until next time don't forget to enjoy first place texas rangers baseball